Ricardo. Welcome to a new episode of the Swift Kicks podcast. Now, you may be wondering, where the hell have you been? Well, we're going to blame it all on COVID-19. But to be fair, Ben, everything was great until we left. I completely take the fall. Alex and I, may. there's stories out there in the tabloids about what's been going on about us. But we're back, and we're back with a force. We have brought a friend with us. So we're going to introduce Steve, Scuba Steve as I like to call them. And, you know, we're back off to the races. There's plenty going on, plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, uh, introduce yourself to everybody. What brings you here? Uh, What team do you support? Uh, What do you love about soccer? Hey, I'm uh, Steven from Michigan. Uh, Ben and I have uh, a bit of history. That's how I got uh, roped into this. Uh, Ben and I, we played some junior college ball together uh, in Michigan, and we've kind of kept in touch ever since. Both have a deep, deep passion for footy. he supports United. I support Glasgow Celtic. What do I love about football? Um, you have everything in football. Football is like a relationship, except it just never leaves. So you don't have to worry. <laughs> you don't have to worry about your significant other leaving. Football will always be there. You get your highs. You get your lows. You get your curveballs. You get your consistencies. It's got everything. You've now entered therapy session. So <laughs> let's begin. So, let's start with the uh, let's start with the Premier League. So we're, we're going to dive right in. We're going to forget that nine matches have already been played and we're going to take a look at the table right away. Boys, we're looking at Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester City. Really your top four there. You got Southampton and Everton hanging around in, in fifth and sixth. Ben, I'll point it to you. You know, our Tottenham contenders this year, will they take the title away from Liverpool or will Liverpool uh, win back to back? You know, I, I really don't want to doubt Jurgen Klopp, uh, everyone's favorite Bond villain. Uh, Klopp really brings a certain level of uh, – you can't – the man is unreal. They just went – what was that? What was that record they just set? Um, 64. 81. Yep, they're at 64 wins at home. They're, they're unstoppable, and I think it's just a matter of time before Tottenham have enough games and Liverpool catch them. I do think Liverpool are dealing with a certain amount of uh, players being out and they're being able to balance well. But, you know, Tottenham have positioned themselves well for the first half of the year. It's weird seeing Jose Mourinho be successful. And really, the the Gareth Bale, uh, Mourinho love affair continues. Right. Steve, your take. I mean, for a casual casual soccer fan tuning in after the absence of football, this has got to be one of the most exciting seasons ever. I mean, from your normal Man United, your Man Cities, Chelsea's, I mean, it's just been a shuffle. I mean, we had Villa at top. We had Leicester at top. We had Leeds at top. I mean, I know it's only nine games in, but I mean, we're seasoned vets when it comes to watching the Prem, and I just, I can't get enough of it. It's, yeah. so, it's so fun to watch these, these smaller teams just beating people. I mean, Villa beating, what was it, Liverpool 7-2? Yeah. yeah. Was that a few weeks ago? I mean, games yeah. like that, it's unreal seeing stuff like that. Um, in terms of whether or not Liverpool will be able to hold the title, I think, honestly, uh, it, it really comes down to – I think it'll be really tough for them because they have so many international players, and so many of these international players are going away on duty and, and coming back with positive COVID cases because they're having that much more exposure. And then they're quarantined for X amount of time, and then teams are fielding less stronger sides. Uh, I think the teams, maybe like Leicester, maybe like Villa or Leeds who are kind of – I mean, Leeds are in 14th, so roundabouts there now, but the teams that have – um, less fully fledged internationals, if they can maintain consistent form, we, 
don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't think it'll be really tough for Liverpool, but you know what team, you know what team I think has fallen off um, quite a bit is Man City. I think there's a formula out there to beat City. I think if you can hold good form, keep your shape, and play disciplined, consistent football for 90 minutes, you can beat City. Um, they're very vulnerable to a counterattack, and when you hold your form and can keep a back line tight, City can't can't produce. Um, the minute you get sloppy, and this is where someone like Man United's kind of uh, at risk against someone like City, is the minute you have a mess up, City will capitalize. But if you can keep that disciplined football for 90 minutes against City, you can counterattack against them and they're, they're beatable. Arsenal are another funny one. You know, you talk about it being kind of a weird season. It is not abnormal for Man United to be in 10th place at this point of the year going into January and still find a way to get into the top four. You know, we were going to do this podcast last week, but uh, I could not start a podcast with Newcastle being placed higher than Man United. Uh, New, Newcastle, I don't know the last time Newcastle was above Man U in a table. That wasn't the first three weeks of the season. Alex, where's your head at with everything? Honestly, I mean, you want to talk about a strange season, you know, going into everything. I mean, as a fan of Newcastle, you know, we thought we were going to be uh, the world's richest club. You know, glory days were coming. Everything was going to be sunshine and awesome. Uh, And, you know, just throughout the summer, you know, those stories continued and continued. And it sort of kept you on the rope and hoping and everything like that. And then inevitably a deal uh, with the Saudi private investment fund fell through. Uh, and of course, I mean, now we're in like, we're literally suing the Premier League <laughs> because they didn't let it go through. Um, and there's a whole bunch of backdoor politics, apparently, that have been going on with that, if you believe everything in the press. And uh, no. it's it's very strange. It's very, very strange place to be. And, uh, you know, just the management that we have right now, you can tell it's it's to me, it feels like it's getting to the players heads as well. You know, they're not quite playing 100 percent. It's like, you know. I think a lot of people think if some sort of deal was to go through, then, you know, they're the first ones out the door. So why bother right now? Whereas there are some people that are still playing very well. Um, you know, Almiron, Alan St. Maximum, you know, I mean, there's been the highlights of, of the season and Callum Wilson coming over, you know, he's been a top striker for us, but just our, our run of form as of late has been very, very poor. And, you know, Steve hasn't had to have me or listen to me, you know, grieve over this, but, with the Newcastle team, you always play the game of what if. And, you know, we're looking at the table right now and we're, we're at 11 points and it's a pretty tight mid-pack right now. Uh, again, you know, we're only eight, nine games into the season. But you think to a couple of games where we could have just eked out one or two more points, you know, a win here, a win there. And we're talking, we're, you know, we're sniffing at fifth, sixth place. Um, and it's just how do we get out of always being in that situation where we always have to, you know, think about what could be, you know, I mean, we're sitting basically at the same place where Leeds United is, which as you know, a Newcastle fan, it's nice to have a little bit of a rivalry in the Northeast back. Um, But, you know, they just came off of the championship. I mean, they've come off of the worst 10 years of their, you know, entire club history. Um, And I'm glad that they're back, but, we should be ahead of that, <laughs> you know, like that's just sort of what, at least what we should be aiming for. And we're, we're not finding that result. So you're not setting the bar too high there either. Alex, no, <laughs> you know, no. recently promoted squad. We want to be one above. Yes. Exactly. The real question I have is, is Mike Ashley possibly the worst business manager of all times? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you she know, there, there's no doubt that, you know, I mean, talk about it 
his business practices as a whole, you know, everybody thinks they're pretty terrible anyway. Um, but you know, to not, he's definitely not a deal closer apparently, because this isn't the first yeah. deal that, you know, has come through, you it's know, fun. there's been, there's been a couple of others that have, have come close. Uh, this one was obviously the closest. Apparently there was the paperwork was basically done. It just needed a final signature. Um, has anyone notified, uh, Floyd Mayweather that they're back on the market? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you know, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather's money. That would have been great. We could have been, uh, Maybe punching up one or it. two. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll, I'll, we can we can ring them up after this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we we also tried talking to Martin Ashley before this. He declined any comment. Right. Um, <laughs> you know what though? I, I do think there's something to be said for Leicester City. I think Leicester, um, like you're saying, Steve, COVID's affected everyone very uh, you know, huge, right? And the minute you have international players, there is a sort certain amount of uh, impact that's going on. Um, I do think Leicester started out okay, uh, but anytime you have you know a Schmeichel in goal, there's something to be said for the quality of your team. Mm-hmm. But the minute you play against a Liverpool and you even put Johnny Evans on the pitch, you're never going to win. Uh, Johnny Pins, uh, Johnny Evans opened up the scoring uh, with a lovely header in his own net, and you know, absolutely devastated to see him back in the prem. The standard of you know center back has to be higher for a top tier team. As a Man U fan, I know we were not a top-tier team with Johnny Evans on the field. So I, I do think Leicester could stick around, all jokes aside about Johnny Evans. I think they, they've found a way before. They know what it's like to win. Um, I don't know that they're going to take a run at it, but they could be mm-hmm. top four team by, by any means. Um, Alex, what's your take sure. on, on the fall of Man United? Is this Ollie Gunners last year? You know, it was funny. I was just uh, thinking about posing a question to you if uh, Solskjaer was going to stay, but uh, – you know, I think Man United have had such a tumultuous time over the past couple of years with their managers. You know, it's it's almost, uh, you know, if you want to have like an NFL analogy, they almost need to be like the Steelers and they need to stick with somebody and, you know, just build a whole system around that. Now, you know, Solskjaer, is he that guy? I think they brought him in, you know, as a caretaker manager and he just so happened to mesh really well with the players because he's that kind of guy. He's a very likable person. But is he that person that will carry you on 10 years down the line? You're going to say, look what he did. He won. A, he got us back to uh, top of the Premier League. He got us back in the Champions League winning games. He got us back, you know, to the finals, that kind of stuff. Is he that person? For me, I don't think he is. But to be honest, I don't know who else is out there right now that you could be really looking for. Um, you know, Pochettino, maybe, yeah, yep. you know, that's like the one name that's sticking out. But, uh, you know, I don't. Right now, I think where you are and what you're looking at is kind of, you know, like you said, sixth place, fifth place. That's probably where you really are. Steve, what do you think? Yeah. I, the job that, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, of, of giving coaches more time. I think the cutthroat, I mean, I know the, the business of being a manager is so cutthroat. I mean, you see managers lasting sometimes a couple of handfuls of games and they're out the door. But I do think I do think um, giving OGS the time is 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 a good move for United because you don't want to have the image you just turn and burn. You're just grasping for straws. This ain't working. This ain't working. We gotta go on the next new shiny thing to get us to where we wouldn't swerve. But I I don't know with OGS. I mean I don't I don't see things changing. I think it goes down to, is it Woodward? Is that right? I think he was in charge yeah. of, uh, I think yeah. it comes down to them. I mean, when you, 
see some breakdowns of, of the limitations that they really put on the club. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, how can you blame OGS for having the results when his hands are tied behind his back? I mean, it's I tough. I don't know if I agree with that though, man, they've been spending money. You got the most expensive center back in, in the world, which Suppose, we can yeah. say Harry Maguire might be slightly overrated in that mat, yeah. uh, matter. But I do think he was exactly what man you were looking for at the time they acquired him at the time for sure. I would if, agree with they've that. missed out on like a yap stam or a Vidic at center back, yeah. right? They've always had that solid center back and they've certainly got that in Maguire. He's got some personal stuff going on with what happened over in Greece. Um, for those of you that don't know, he may or may not have gotten in a fight with a cop. Um, <laughs> it, it's really weird how they try it over there, too. Like, you're he guilty was until you go to court. No, I don't think that was the case. He but, <laughs> Right, but I think he openly was like, no, it's on a night out. But you're not, going back to United, I don't think they have um, – they've got the talent. They've spent the money. They've got Paul Pogba. That's not a cheap ticket. The problem is he won't resell now. You know what I mean? Does he want to be there? I, I think he doesn't care. I think he wants to get paid. He's in it for him. His his uh, pride and joy is the French national team. He, the thing is, though, is Pogba is unreal. He just doesn't fit their current setup. The issue with Man United now is they have not got – they've not had a, a right winger since Valencia, in my opinion. Valencia was a fantastic right winger, very underrated, very fast, down the wing, very direct, no nonsense, puts the ball in a dangerous area. Dude was a and, unit. Right, but – so now all the, up top, they've got a midfield in Fernandez and uh, Pogba, but apart from Rashford, they don't have that goal scorer. They don't have mm-hmm. someone that can hit the ball well from far out. Um, they're missing that number 10. Um, you know, Rashford's a good striker, but he needs a partner, and I don't think they, they found the answer to that. They're trying, but uh, they honestly, they probably should have got someone of Bale's caliber and just came up short there. I heard Juventus is trying to offload their wage bill, Ronaldo. <laughs> I don't see that happening. I know. I know I don't. Right. I know Carrick, uh, Michael Carrick's getting involved in the coaching a little bit more, helping with Solskjaer. I, I, I think it's important for Man United fans to, to look in the history books and kind of look back at Ferguson. Ferguson was pretty much on his way out of the club uh, due to performance when he started winning trophies. Um, Solskjaer has positioned United well. They're in Europe. We've got to remember where they came from to get into Europe, and they're still growing. So they're still performing better than the year before. Most managers take five or six you know, years to actually see the turnaround. I think probably for the price, because I'm guessing Solskjaer is pretty cheap, uh, you know, he's really doing a pretty good job. There's a ways to go, but and, until you see back-end management or ownership change, but the grass isn't always greener, my friends, right? Yeah. So I, I think United, you got to stick with him. I think he gets at least another year if you want to see that club turn around um, and see where they finish the year before we see someone try to get, get him out in January after a couple poor performances. Yeah. It's early, yeah, right? You're, uh, you know, talking about a, a former player becoming a coach, you know, Frank Lampard right now is having some great success. Uh, you know, Chelsea's sitting up pretty high in, in the Premier League right now. Um, you know, He's got a lot of great young players with him, too. And, of course, one of them, you know, an American, Christian Pulisic, he's supposed to be making his return, hopefully, this weekend. Um, you know, what do you think he's added to the game, not only for Americans, but, you know, for Chelsea overall as well? I think it's cool because Lampard, I think, had doubts on Pulisic's quality. And I think he's just been so persistent in, in training and just when the opportunities when he's – gotten on the pitch that Lampard can't ignore it now 
He's like, I, this kid, I mean, he's quality. I mean, I, we know we're biased, but right, <laughs> I right. mean, the kid is, the kid is, the kid is quality. I mean, he comes on and he makes impacts. And I, I just think that that's, I mean, I think Lampard's just, he can't ignore it anymore. And the kid gets in the team sheet. Right. right. I'll take a less professional approach and say Lampard is and always will be a spooner. And, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think Chelsea have what it takes to be a standalone squad. I think they're um, always going to be dangerous. They're definitely a top half of the, of the uh, oh, table. Sure. But I don't think they have the depth. I think with the COVID things going on and as players pick up knocks, you're going to see them uh, positioned just like they were last year where they were you know, knocking at the door of Europe and then you know, took a tumble at the end. Um, Sounds like Leicester. Right. right. But the thing is, though, is you'd expect that from a Leicester, not a top-tier team like Chelsea, you know? Yeah, I suppose. Right. Yeah. That, that's you not, would you say that Leicester's not a top-tier team, though? I mean, yeah, I was about to, I was about to drop that. <laughs> yeah, have they won the Premier League more recently than Chelsea? I think they have, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I just – Leicester, to me, is the ultimate English football club. They've got the grassroots players. They literally have a bricklayer up front. Like Vardy was a bricklayer. That's such a cool story. Like you yeah. know what I mean, dude. The That's, stories on Vardy is so sick. I've got his autobiography back there, and yeah. uh, just like like had to play some games with like uh, he had those uh, what are you on house arrest? He had uh, he played some. He had to, he had to get subbed out of games because he like I, he had to make it home before a certain time before the thing went off. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. It's like it's just unreal stuff. I'm just gonna you throw might, this out there too. Might want to get in contact with uh, Harry Maguire. Right. Yeah, they probably have a s- similar lawyer. Um, I'm also going to just throw this out there. Vardy's biography, there's no way. That's a ghostwriter. I'm just putting that out there. It is what it is. I don't know. The, gra- <laughs> the grammar's kind of poor, so it might have it might be, been him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know. Alex, where, what are your thoughts on um, – who was I going to ask you about? On, on Chelsea and really what the trajectory for them is. Yeah, I think – like I said, I think they have they, – personally, I believe that they have a lot of young players. It'll be interesting this year. Um, of course, with COVID and everything, is uh, how Champions League will really affect those players. Um, you know, traveling, there's extra worry added to everything like that. Um, and like you said, the depth of, you know, you really need two, three squads to be participating in all these in all these uh, tournaments and uh, cups and everything like that at such a high level. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how long they can still hang on. Like I said, I mean, they're in third place right now. They're really only two points off the top. Uh, you know, they've been in good form. They've won three, drawn two, I think. So, you know, they're – and they beat Newcastle. So, you know, but, I mean, that's 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 an easy win for them, right? Uh, so I think that their trajectory is good, I think, that with the young squad that they have. And I think there's just sort of a, a weird love fest with Frank Lampard at Chelsea, and I think that that's just – it's a marriage yeah. that's always going to work. <laughs> you know, they're always going to make that work. Uh, right, whereas – as we were talking with Ali Gunny Solskjaer and Man United, I think that there was that love affair at the beginning and is sort of figuring out how to continue that right now. And I think a lot of that, as you were talking about, is with the players. Um, there are some players that are working well. There are some players, I mean, we've you could go back to episode one, I think we were talking about Paul Pogba. Is he going to stay at Man United or is he? You know, I think that's always weighed on him. Um, the other sort of player manager role that I'm thinking of right now is uh, Mikel Arteta at uh, Arsenal. And I mean, they just, they're not even a force anymore. You know, Arsenal is no longer a factor in the Premier League talk, I feel like. 
they, they had that game in the bag over the weekend mm-hmm. against uh, Leeds, I believe. And uh, Pepe really threw in the towel for him there. And Arteta's response to it of just like, that's unacceptable. For those of you that don't know, uh, Leeds had a man mark on Pepe. And basically the guy was just being a nuisance in his ear uh, on his back. You know, every time he got the ball, he was there letting him know he was there playing really, you know, championship football, right? Like that's that lower level football coming up. And then Pepe lost his cool and gave him a little uh, Scottish kiss, if you will. Um, So I I think Arsenal, you're right there as well. But I think Arteta, how long has Arteta been in his seat? Uh, A little over a year and a half now, I think. It's the same concept, right? Like he's still building. He he needs much longer. Like he's further behind Solskjaer, but same concept. He's got a ways to go. Really for him, his goal is to try and make his way back into Europe and, and make that dent. Um, going back to Pogba real quick, I was explaining this to someone the other day. For me, Pogba and Man United's relationship is kind of like when you buy a car that you can't really afford and put some put put too many miles on it and then go to resell it and then remember that, oh, hang on, it's not going to sell for the same as, as I owe on it. So that's what's going on with Pogba there at Man United. But also referencing those, those player coaches, um, you know, Steve, you're a Celtic fan, but our boy Stevie G. Uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, the GOAT, if you will, is really bringing Rangers back around and resurrected them okay. from the dead. I'm just saying, they're, they're doing work right now. Uh, are, are Rangers a new squad? I know we're shifting into the Scottish Premier League, but are, are Rangers that good, or is the rest of the Scottish Premier League that bad? I think, uh, well, probably everyone would say the Scottish Premiership is that bad. But <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but the honestly, no, no Scottish team has ever won the Premiership ten seasons in a row. Celtics on nine right now, and have been in awesome form the whole the whole time. It's gotten a little shaky on nine, but we we stuck it out. The season ended early. COVID, okay, but. Now, uh, the only thing I'm, I'm hoping for now is Rangers have a deep run in the Europa League and they get depleted and just shit the bed in, in, in the premiership. That's, that's what I'm hoping for at this point because Neil Lennon, I don't know when he, he's got to go. He's, he's lost the dressing room. The players don't have confidence in him anymore. You can see in the body language and the players on the field and, and, and Lennon in his post-match interviews, you can just tell there's there's – just disconnect there. And Stevie G, I don't know. I mean, he's always been a passionate guy. I mean, since he's played, uh, there's an old firm game when they beat Celtic two nil and he was celebrating. Like he scored the game winning goal. He's like, like in the camera, like, like it was insane. You've never seen a manager do that. Yeah. I, I think he's really invigorated that team. Um, I'm, I'm going to challenge you there. Jose Mourinho gets that passionate and I love it. It's fire. Like it, it never fails, right? You're just like, hang on. You yeah. Never root against someone like yeah. that so bad until he's your guy. Yeah. I just, story. but yeah, back to Stevie. I, um, he's, he's got it. He's got it going. Even with, even with Morelos. I mean, their star striker, not firing on all cylinders, d- debatably probably going out of the, out of the club. I would assume January f- for sure the summer, but the little bit of unrest and doubt over that is still not deterring this team from, I mean, they're, they're what, 11 points. Yeah. They're like 11, maybe I think they're 11 points up top and they have two games yep. 
they've played two games more than Celtic, but I mean, it's still, it's just not, I mean, from the results that Celtic's been putting up, it just has, I mean, it has two, your boy concerned. Right. Two games in hand though are, are very useful in that scenario. Right. Cause then you're talking about reducing that lead in the league by half. Um, I think that's, you know, good points. And sorry for bouncing straight into the Scottish Premier League there without any heads up. I'm now going to talk about it all day. <laughs> go back to the Premier League, if you will, the real Premier League. Um, and Alex, where, where do you what do you think of Tottenham this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they got off to quite a, a little bit of a shaky start, um, but yeah, I mean, they they look like world beaters to me. I mean, I think everything is uh, lining up for them. I, when do they play? Liverpool will be the big game for them. Uh, they play on December sixteenth, so actually coming up pretty soon. Up. And, uh, oh, you know, that could be, be you know, that'll put you right in the thick of you know the Christmas season as well. So there'll be a lot of games coming out, a lot of teams really sticking fast. Uh, so that's when things really start to separate. Uh, you know, like I, we've been talking about, you know, how right now uh, everything is very sort of compact, and uh, I mean, down the bottom is looking pretty pretty clear who's going to be going. But um, at top and in the middle right now, you know, it's very compact, uh, still a lot to play for, but definitely around that Christmas period, uh, the men and the boys sort of get separated. (laughs) Right. Speaking of the match schedule, you've seen a lot of, uh, you've seen a lot recently, I think now more than I can ever recall of managers in the Prem really voicing their opinions to the, to the broadcasters. We need a more spaced out schedule. We need a winter break. We need the players needing some sort the schedule needs to be somehow changed. I mean, the players going down with injuries with COVID on that. It was, it's been a lot of, uh, it's been in the headlines quite, quite a lot recently. Yeah. You're right. If you look at is, uh, going, mm-hmm. yeah, probably the, the biggest voice in all that. And a lot of it is to do with the TV rights as well in England, yep. you know, the BT sport and sky sports, they're paid basically a billion pounds, you know, to have the rights for all of this stuff. And they're saying they're the ones that are pulling the strings, you know, telling them when to play. Yeah. And that's, you know, the I understand that there's, you know, billions of dollars at stake, but at the same time, you're not going to have a product to put on air <laughs> if all the players are injured yeah. or sick or whatever. I think, right. And I think if you look at last season when they space it out with that gap, I mean, selfishly, it really sorted Man United out, but also it, allowed teams to rest some players and get some people back into it. Was it Harry Kane that returned from an injury in the same season last year? Uh, You know, like spacing things out means players are able to uh, rebound, also potentially have a longer uh, life. Um, You know, one of the things that came up this weekend, speaking of uh, taking care of the players, um, Alex, I know you're not always the biggest proponent of um, VAR, but I think, you know, it, it caught that Pepe foul which was pretty good. And I think what that actually did, granted the guy flopped and it really was pretty soft. I think the reality to it though, is that prevented that from escalating. So if this was like, you know, 10, 15 years ago and Roy Keane's got someone in his head and gets a little, you know, Irish kick, he's two foot in a guy and in his career. So I think it's, you know, while VAR kind of makes me wonder why we're paying referees at all. um, I think it is uh, helping players stay healthy a little bit longer and, helping simmer down some of those uh, yeah, but uh, players as time, we go. Man, didn't you love Roy Keane for two foot and a guy? <laughs> Roy Keane pretty much taught most people our age, you know, the basic <laughs> values in life of like, you don't do that twice. Another, another autobiography <laughs> right. I've got is his back there as That's well. That's a great book. <laughs> yeah, I've got that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
Um, so I think we've Fun. been having a theme tonight of uh, talking about player managers. And Ben, I know you wanted to dive into this. Um, so we've got Gareth Southgate leading the England national team. Where do you see him going? Should he be in charge? And if not, who should be? Gareth Southgate belongs on Peterborough United's uh, coaching squad. Um, Hot take. Yep, you can you can have that one, Steve. Um, but the reality is he's not that great. I'm just throwing it out there. The greatest coaches never coach international. Mm-hmm. The reason it got brought up today is Jurgen Klotz been linked to, to I think the Dutch national squad. Um, and if it's a if it's a different team, that's what I meant to say. Um, but I I don't think Gareth Southgate is the kind of caliber of coach you want in England other than the fact he wore an England jersey um it, I guess my question is can you guys think of a coach that's not coaching Brazil that is world class like if you watch sports in the U.S. It, like the NFL in college right you get really good at college football and then you get your shot and you go up to the NFL and you're the top of the game I feel like international football the chance to win a, a world cup and represent a country is something that is like oftentimes not what the route people take. Yeah, and I, I think it uh, probably, again, comes down to money. I mean, and a, a lot of it is ego as well. I mean, look at Jose Mourinho. You know, there's so many times that he's been linked with, oh, he should have been the USA manager. Oh, he should be just take it easy, uh, you know, go take hold of Portugal. And, you know, he, he won't have to blow up in front of the cameras and everything like that. At the same time, he loves doing that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of who he is. And he, and, and how he, he walks away with all these golden parachute payments every single time that, you know, he ends a contract two years early than it's supposed to. Uh, so I think a lot of that is to deal with it. But I mean, you know, we're going down the list of, of some of the England managers. I mean, Fabio Capello, I mean, where did he come from? I don't remember. Sven Jorn Eriksson. He had a, no idea but, where he came Capello, from. <laughs> he had a translator. Why would you bring in someone that can't speak to the players, right? <laughs> Nothing yeah. against like speaking different languages, but I wouldn't expect like an English non-Italian speaking person go right. coach Italy. It right. just doesn't make sense to me. Gareth Southgate going over to Italy, you know, how much drama no. that would cause. Oh, I, I, I'd pay money. Oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> and by the well. way, Ben, Peterborough is uh, second in League One right now, so they're looking at right. a championship so, spot at the end of the year. <laughs> right, Southgate. It's a great fit. That's where he right. belongs. <laughs> like, bringing a team up, working his way up. Yeah. I don't know. I It just it bugs me. And, like, you look at the U.S. system, too. I think the U.S. had the right coach in place of Jurgen Klinsmann, and then they go backwards completely, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, you don't see the coaches aspiring to be uh, international football, which to me makes international football a lesser of a, a lesser of a sport, right? But it is just as fun to watch every four years. Yeah, and I mean, that's the problem is, you know, it, it's not as uh, upfront in people's faces all the time. Um, as much as I guess we would love it to be, you know, obviously, but, uh, and I know they've tried, I mean, what was that? UEFA nations league or whatever. Is it's that still, still going thing? on? Is that still, oh, it's yeah. Still going on. Good. England I'm just lost for a definition for that. If anybody has got a definition of what that, that yeah. tournament's all we'll about. We'll cover I'm, that I'm, next I'm week. <laughs> well, we That's... did. We, we covered it about 19 episodes right. ago and, uh, we still haven't <laughs> worked it out. So we've had two years. Right. And nobody knows. All I know <laughs> is England just lost to Belgium two nil. Mm-hmm. And Southgate's out. Like, get him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, uh, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, so we've gotten over coaches. We've gotten over the Premier League. Now let's move on to a great topic. Your favorite boots of all time. You know, a lot of debate over this one. First off, Ben, are you Nike, Adidas, Puma, or other? Puma are not even on my list. But <laughs> I will say, top in my list is probably those white preds that David Beckham used to wear. What those, year? Those preds, uh, was that 02? Um, yeah, so way song. back. All the yep. champagnes? The yep, those, or the those are, I think they were. They're the, they're both, he had both in those color ones. Yeah. But. Those were amazing. But I had predators like from a boy. Like I remember my grandpa, my granddad, good old granddad, bought me some some predators, like the real ones with like the gummy soles. Those were the mm-hmm. best cleats I've ever worn. I did I did like the tempos down the road a little bit. So if I had like and then uh before that was the um the R nines were pretty sweet. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll bring like the, the R9s first the back. first Mercurials. Right. Yeah. And then really the World Cups, right? World Cup yeah. boots. You know what I'm talking about? Those Adidas World Cups. My, my, my favorite soft grounds are World Cups. Dude, I remember playing against people back in England, Alex, and you just see them sharpening them. And yeah. you just get <laughs> studded with one of those. Yeah. You're getting stitches, and you're probably not playing for at least six weeks. <laughs> um, so probably that is going, brutal. Yeah, it's pretty true, though. So I don't even put Vapors on my list. I think Vapors are overrated. But I would go, uh, oh, what were those boots that Rooney had? And if you lined them up right, the lines carried from boot to boot. Oh, that total 90, that's, that's my top boot. That's my the favorite. Total 90 <laughs> supremacies. Those are probably number three for me, then the Tiempo, and then the Preds in that order. Nice. Steve, what about you? We could, go, we could tackle it from like a – like a like an like a status standpoint, like you know, obviously tempos and predators and mercs. A Puma King is in that. I mean, some greats have worn the Puma Kings, but from a from a performance standpoint, from a performance standpoint, I'm gonna give a a, a very particular shout to the 2011 Predator Adidas Predator Addy Power. So the Addy Power that was the very first Predator to have a sprint frame. So like the sole plate was just way lighter than anything else that happened before. So you still had all of the hardcore predator elements. You still had the leather upper, but you had just a way lighter outsole. And it was just, it didn't, it didn't have a very long shelf life. It had a re- late release in the U S and then the predator LZ came out shortly afterwards. So it didn't have a long, uh, uh, lifespan, but yeah. performance standpoint, that is my top boot. I've worn predators for basically forever. I wear, copas now the laceless copas i give those a shout um the copas are a sign of an aging man perhaps (laughs) but uh uh the i would say the 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 secret the the untold untold secret so being um you know in in like you know in soccer conversations in soccer circles mizuno people sleep on mizuno but the made in Japan Mizunos, those, those, so there's, there's like, there's like the, you know, like the normal boots are like 200. Like Where else are they made? They're like, you know, like the Indonesia, China ones, like, you know, like most boots. No, from. I don't. Well, so <laughs> m- m- made in Japan Mizunos are a step above like that normal, like $200 benchmark. And those are made with higher quality materials and they're way more durable. The Mizuno Rebula threes, I would say, honestly, it's probably tied with the, with the Addy power. Those are, those are a game day boot for sure. Wow. So you got to put one on your foot right now. What are you getting? I'm going with the Mizuno. But not from China. <laughs> not from China. Japan only. <laughs> Japan only. That's got awesome. It. Alex, Alex, what's your, what's your list, bro? All 
All right. You remember the R10s, the Ronaldinho's? Yes. Yes. Oh, those man, what a- were beautiful. I love those shoes. I think if I could wear any boot and I had to wear it for, you know, a career or whatever it would be, I would absolutely wear those. Um, I did have, I mean, I must be attached to golden white uh, because I did like the the predators when they were golden white. That was the only predators I ever had. Um, you wouldn't catch me dead in any other Adidas shoe though. Um, and the only other ones that I would talk about the, the tiempos, the total 90 tiempos, like the original ones like Louis Figo, uh, Rooney, all of them more like the red and white ones. And then there were the, uh, what were they? They were like a burgundy and silver. Those were like the original ones. And I think those ones are awesome. I think that was my top three. And, right. uh, I remember Kappa, if we're going to do a dark horse here, Kappa used to always have like the color. They were the first ones to like truly introduce like ridiculous colors. Like everything now is like, you know, neon orange, bright blue, whatever it may be. They were like the first one. I think they had like a rainbow boot or something, you know, in like the early 2000s. I think they were the first ones to do it. So they, they introduced, they Boss ushered us in. Kappa to in top three. <laughs> they ushered us in into the, the top, <laughs> into the, where we are. Were now. they the laceless? Didn't they do laceless first? They may have. I mean, they seem to be on the forefront of everything. <laughs> no, that was Lotto. Lotto, that's the one. Lotto, yes, yeah, Lotto. That was, that was Lotto. Yeah. Lotto had the, yeah, those are 2006, the zero gravity Lottos. Those were the first laceless boot ever. Yes, that was awesome. What country were those made in? <laughs> Italy. Those are also, Lotto's in Italian. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> I knew it. I knew we'd get it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. Dude, yeah. those t- um those total 90s, that year was the year for soccer commercials as well. Yeah, we can go absolutely. back to that a whole nother time, but Olay, those commercials yep. were all flying around at that point in time. It was like 04, like 05-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might have been a little bit earlier than that. Uh, total if, if, if Rooney was in it, it had to be after 02. It was probably 06. I'm going to go with 06. 06 were the, the, the supremacies. Those were the yeah. lines, like the, the thing that you said, yeah. with the lines to the carry the one right. and then over the other one. So it was probably Euros, so 2004. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right. Are you fact-checking yep. me? Yep. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Those so, are perfect. so in our newest segment, go ahead. what's up? <laughs> no, you got it. I was saying in our newest segment, our newest segment, one of the things that I wanted to kind of uh, bring up is I originally wanted to bring back the Usain Bolt story, but instead we've got a much better feature today. And where are they now? Um, what's going on with uh, Zlatan? Where's our boy Zlatan at? He's beat COVID. Um, he humbly um, accepted his um, victory over COVID. But what's going on with him now, Alex? Uh, so right now he's pretty uh, upset with EA Sports and FIFA 2021 apparently they've been using his likeness how dare they uh without his permission that he says uh but apparently there's a little bit more to this story it looks like fifa kind of pretty much sort of owns the rights right now to ac milan and inter milan's quote unquote likeness you know their stadiums uh, all their mm-hmm. players you know um their jerseys all that kind of stuff so he seems a little befuddled by how he can basically not be making money off of this you know i mean he is you know the greatest of all time in his mind uh so how can he not be making money off of this and i think even gareth bale joined in on this you know he was he was asking oh it's so interesting you know who is this thief pro 
and they're sort of the governing body that you know works with FIFA and EA Sports to make this all happen. And both of them know very well who this is because they were both at uh, tournaments. Uh, they were both named to World Eleven starting teams. They've both been at Ballon d'Or ceremonies, you know, run by this thing. So it's it's pretty interesting that that Zlatan uh, maybe short term memory losses settling into the 39 year old so steve do you know you're a big fifa guy we've, we've thrown down on the on the sticks from time to time um winning record yep so far uh for the record for all of you guys listening he was celtic and i was man united um neither here nor there um also on fifa you can't be juventus so juventus um Dude. have their rights over you can't be roma Euro. either yeah, but no one cares. About yeah, Roma. you can't. <laughs> I just man, like it's FIFA, and as it, I'm just thankful that the football gaming industry only has two players, Pez and FIFA, because it's becoming like uh, like streaming services. Netflix was like the thing. Now you got to have Peacock, you got to have Hulu, you got to have all these different things to have the rights to every single one of these little shows. And people are like, so FIFA now used to be kind of like the hub. It had everything. If you turned on Pez and you went to go play United versus City, it was like Manchester Red Devils versus Blue like Devils. The City. Like, they didn't yeah. have rights. Yeah, they didn't have they didn't have rights to anything. So I mean, FIFA had it all, and now they don't. Now right. They lost Roma. They've lost Juventus. They have lost a lot of I mean, national teams. The game plays a little bit better on Pro Evo, but neither here nor there. That, that being said. Paimonte Calcio or whatever is Juventus. And I just like mm-hmm. that it says Pi whenever you pick Juventus. So what do you think they would name Ibrahimovic as a fake name? <laughs> oh, they usually try to keep it kind of close. Right. So I think it would be like um, Satan, like what... Satan's Ibrahimovic. <laughs> probably just call him first name the and last name Lion. The greatest. If he has any say, that's what he called. Yeah, the greatest. That's funny. So, Alex, what's the next steps for that? Like, is he going to have to go to court? It's not going to be a thing. COVID's <laughs> going to pass. FIFA is going to be like, uh, no. <laughs> like, Hang on. Has he been on the front of FIFA yet? Has he ever? No. I mean, they have different release covers for different regions of the world, but like for U.S. covers, he's never been on it for sure. I. I that's strange. Uh, That's probably why he's upset. How are you not going to put him on the front of FIFA? Zlatan is the only player from a non-European club in FIFA's <clears> 20 <throat> top 100, but he doesn't seem to have ever been on the front of the cover. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a whim here and say they either lowered his rating by two points and he's upset. So he went from being rated 99 <laughs> to 90, 97. Um yeah. Or they need to put him on the cover. I'm actually Team Eber on this. Put we want Eber on the cover for 21. I don't care if he's even playing anymore. Hashtag it. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of where have they been? What's going on with Wayne Rooney? He could have been going apparently if he when he was about to leave Man United. Apparently he had offers that were coming in from Barca and Real Madrid, and you just think he went to DC United inevitably. So same same caliber of team though. But <laughs> just how different do you think it would have really had any impact on the late stage of his career? You know, would he have been uh, a Champions League winner again out there? I don't I don't know that he would have played out there. I think DC United might have been the right 
chip for him anyway. Honestly, I love nothing more than seeing him play for Darby County. Like, that is everything I love about Wayne Rooney is, like, he just won't die. There's mm-hmm. no reason he couldn't just go have a career doing something else, but he just loves the game so much that he'll go down to Darby County and just score worldies. Is right. he technically a player manager at Dar- Darby? Yes, yes, he is. I thought yeah. so. I mean, that's this even is, better. the theme of the show. <laughs> I know. Full circle. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. even better. I cannot right. imagine Wayne Rooney being on a touchline, like full suit, like garb, like 100% manager. I just, with his, oh, I just I can't imagine. I think he'd just be quiet. I think he'd just be annoyed with everyone. Right. Instead, he's doing it properly and being a player manager. That's amazing. Love Wayne Rooney. All right, <laughs> yeah. my, my last question for the day. Do you guys think COVID is, is taking away the, the road game status? 100%. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, as a fan, you watch it. And, of course, you know, they're pumping in the sound for the most part. It was really interesting at the beginning when they weren't. It was almost like watching a training session. <laughs> but right. now, yeah, it's it's a very – it's got to be a very strange place to just – okay, you still have the travel day. You still have to go to an away locker and everything. Um, but it's same – We're traveling that far. For some people, I mean, if you're in Newcastle going down to, you know, Brighton, you know, that's a six, seven hour trip you're taking. I mean, granted, you know, they fly versus coach and everything like that. But um, there's probably a little bit of it, but no way near as much as there is with the fans. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's some grounds that are just so much more intimidating. Like Celtic Park, when it's thumping, when it's like 50,000, 55,000 people thumping at Celtic Park and you're playing Hamilton, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a different ballgame. If we bring it to the Prem, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. There is no home field advantage. I mean, yeah, you're a bit more familiar with the grounds and all that. You can maybe – doctor it up a little bit different have the pitch a little bit more wet whatever maybe it's a bit more narrow whatever but honestly I think that's completely out the window as a fan I don't really mind watching it without the fans I kind of like hearing the coaches barking and like the players barking because you I've never heard that at such a high level so it's kind of interesting from my standpoint obviously I don't want that to be the permanent thing but right it is interesting for the time being like hearing how much dialogue is going on oh this is top level football this is what you would hear if if the fans weren't there but yeah to answer the question um, I, yeah, I kind of see it the other way around, right? Like if you look at how the Premier League's shaping up so far, the, the bottom five or six is you got Brighton, Burnley, Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United. Usually those teams are the kind of teams that are good for a good home grind out win. And mm-hmm. like they, they'll overperform because of the atmosphere. Those are the fields with, you know, the, the terraces that are full of the, the true passionate fans that are going to be letting you have it that are going to be absolutely laying into you. You're taking a corner on the road if you're Man United. You're used to like a, a certain caliber of life, right? Paul Pogba mm-hmm. going to like a Burnley down at the way stands mm-hmm. take, is not taking a corner, right? They're throwing right. pound coins at you. They're, they're letting you know what they think of you. And that, that's gone. And I think the fact that those teams are all at the bottom where they are right now is because, honestly, they don't get that home field advantage. And I do hear you on the fact that on the other side, they're not going to like Old Trafford or, you know, any of the other big stadiums and seeing these, they're having these huge events, but there's an element of hype for those guys. That's their mm-hmm. shot. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. really it does, it benefits the, the big squads, if you will, the Liverpools, Tottenham's, Manchester United's more so than it does those lower 
table teams because home field advantage for some of those guys like Leeds coming up, right? Their fans are so so into it right now. They're even yeah. going to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, Alex, in a previous conversation, you were discussing with me earlier. You'd mentioned that uh, they're looking to bring some fans back after next lockdown or this lockdown. Yeah. And and I thought that this is a, a great place to leave it off here. You know, on a positive note, talking about fans and everything is that we've got the country of England is under a lockdown right now, pretty strict right now, uh, up until December second. Uh, after that, the government is looking at allowing up to 4,000 fans in stadiums that are in their quote-unquote tier one. So everything seems to be a little better. Everything's going well. So 4,000 fans doesn't sound like a lot. Like I said, you know, Old Trafford, you're not looking at 60,000 fans or anything like that. But 4,000 fans, you know, they can make a noise. Uh, 2,000 fans would be allowed in a tier two. So things are okay, but not great. And then anybody that's in tier three would have to continue being uh, behind closed doors, so to speak. What determines the tiers? Uh, It just, it's sort of, so by American standards, I guess it's, uh, you know, your your positive case rate, um, death death tally, that kind of stuff. Um, Everything that we've been hearing about for, you know, the past nine months uh, that's brought us to where we are right now. uh, And and yeah, but hopefully things are it's, taking a turn there in England, and uh, you know, back to having at least a couple fans. You know, that'll definitely right. uh, that'll and it'll and I, just add something else to the season. Right, and I like how they they're going back to it. So it's definitely based on the rate of transmission uh, for the tiers. But I like that the way they're doing it is they're looking at their previous season ticket holders as a as first dibs and getting them in and saying this is your year we're not going to open it up to anyone else i just think that's a great way to yeah. you know preserve the culture of english football that being said all of those terrorist fans that were able to get away with so much you're now going to be on blast because we're going to hear every word you say on cable yeah. <laughs> yeah. careful what you say because <laughs> we yeah. hear it now <laughs> right exactly there's gonna be a lot of bleeps all right so uh, i think that's a good spot to leave it off a little positive hope for the season coming up. Um, we're glad to be back, Steve. We're glad to have you along with us, Ben. Glad to be here. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Subpar right, as guys. always. Suboptimal. <laughs> All right. So All right. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think that this podcast goes up somewhere on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. It goes up everywhere that you would get your podcast. So please be sure to take a listen and share with your friends. Ricky Ricardo. Ricardo.